Well, I want to, uh, again, welcome you to Summit View Covenant Church. Um, We're glad you're here this morning to worship with us. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time this morning, um, a special welcome to you. But I want to kind of give you an idea of of where we've been going with some of the the preaching here the last month or so. We are in a series on grace. And uh, called this The Truth About Grace. And we're looking at a a number of different uh, pieces of the whole grace thing. And I've appreciated... Uh, some of the comments that I've, that I've heard from you, uh, at least most of the comments, um, no, all of them, truthfully, uh, that uh, you've appreciated the fact that we're kind of digging into this topic that, that sometimes is, uh, if we're around the church a lot, we, we hear the word grace, but we don't really talk about it much. And you know, what, what I realized again this week, and it's so true of, of, of every part of our lives in Christ, uh, particularly for those of us that have, have been around this Christian faith for a while, is we know a lot, right? And when we talk about the grace of God, or we talk about forgiveness, or we talk about some of these terms, we understand those intellectually. But when it comes to connecting what we know with our heart and living that out and appropriating the truth that we hear week after week and day after day, that sometimes is where the rub is. Because what we know to be true isn't necessarily always true in our lives. So my prayer, as we continue to talk about grace and everything else in our faith, is that somehow God will allow you and I to make a connection between what we know to be true and to actually see that lived out in our lives and uh, to have us experience that. That's my prayer. Um, I'm talking about perfectionism <laughs> this morning. And, and I, I, I should put a mirror here, right? Because I, hi, my name's Kurt, and I'm a perfectionist. Thank you. And I suspect that most of us um, have some perfectionistic tendencies in our life. I would be surprised if we didn't. But I want to begin this morning by uh, offering a a self-evaluation opportunity, and I want you to consider how you might answer these questions. If they get too uncomfortable, Um, Just put your head between your legs and breathe deeply. Okay, you ready? Do you ever feel guilty when you try to relax because you know that there's a million things that you should be doing? Well, I can tell this is going to be a good one. You guys are just going, oh, no, no. Do you ever wish that you were someone else or at least that you were living someone else's life? Are you frequently tired, worn out, or exhausted? Do you ever feel as though you don't measure up that nothing you do in any area of your life is good enough? I'm not going to ask for hands. Are you sometimes frustrated that nothing you do ever seems to turn out right? Do you get angry when other people don't do the things that you want them to do? I can't understand why she didn't do that. Are you consistently willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, to succeed? Do you feel responsible for the behaviors and the attitudes of other people? Well, if you've answered yes to one or two of these questions, you are probably struggling with unhealthy perfectionism. Extreme perfectionism. Perfectionism. What does it mean? We throw the word around all the time, don't we? Oh, you're such a perfectionist. (laughs) I never hear that. Attempting to prove our self worth by being perfect. Think about that for a minute. 
Perfectionism means that I attempt to prove that I am worthy, that, that, I, that, I, that I'm okay by behaving, doing things perfectly. By doing all things really well. No, 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 no. By doing all things perfectly all the time. This, it seems to me, is a primary problem in our culture. It is particularly a problem in the church. I bought a book about three months ago, and I didn't know at the time that I was going to be preaching this sermon, but the title of the book is called Perfecting Ourselves to Death. And I kind of reread some of that this past week, and uh, I agree. I agree with the author. I mean, he says that, you know, we are on this trajectory as people, and particularly as followers of Christ, um, that is just hazardous because we are such perfectionists. We want everything to be exactly perfect. This kind of perfectionism, ironically, has nothing to do with the type of perfection that Jesus talked about in his Sermon on the Mount. We hear this, right? If you don't know where it is, this is where it is, but this is what we hear. Jesus challenged those who were listening to him to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. (laughs) And followers of Christ for centuries have taken this to mean perfection in a different sense. But what Jesus meant was for his followers to become everything that God created them to be and to be perfectly content in that state of being. He was never asking them to do everything perfectly, to live perfect lives, to believe perfectly. He was saying, become everything that God has created you to be. And in that process, you'll experience Perfection in the sense that you're, you're, you're totally at home with, with, with who you are and being in that process. He didn't mean obey all the rules and don't make any mistakes. Now, somewhere along the line, as a young follower of Christ, I picked up this idea. Well, I picked it up long before I became a follower of Christ, that I had to be perfect. I've lived my whole life up until this week <laughs> trying to be perfect. And guess what? It doesn't work. It does not work. Grace has two huge enemies. (laughs) Legalism is the first one. Attempting to earn God's approval through keeping rules. We do that. But the other enemy is perfectionism. Attempting to prove our self-worth by doing all things perfectly. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church at Galatia. And the entire letter was dedicated to combat these two opponents of grace, legalism and perfectionism. And this is how he summarized his concern. You began your life in Christ, he said, by the Spirit, just like we have, some of us. Now, are you trying to make it complete, he asked, by your own power? (laughs) If you are, Galatians, that is foolish. So we begin this journey of faith, some of us, by the Spirit. And then as we move along, the Spirit gets kind of pushed to the side, and we think, you know, I'm pretty capable. And I think one of the curses of our church, quite frankly, is that we're capable people. We're a talented bunch. We're gifted, we're skilled, and sometimes to our own detriment, because we're so up to it, you know? We can do it ourselves. But Paul says that's foolish behavior. And the fact is, too many of us are foolishly trying to live by our own power. And why do we have to get to the point in our lives when we simply cannot do it any longer, and then we finally acknowledge, okay, I need God. I need Christ 
to help me because I can't do this by myself. Why can't we figure that out ahead of time? Probably because we're human, right? And we'll probably never figure it out. I want to talk about what it means to break out of this performance trap. And I'm a struggler. I'm a fellow struggler with you in this whole process. I want to look at how we can escape what I think is a prison, really, of perfectionism. And I want to talk about how we learn to live in God's liberating grace. How do we experience it? How do we live in it? But before we get into that, let's talk about some of the perils of unhealthy perfectionism. These are not complex ideas, <laughs> but you need to hear them. I need to hear them. Here's the first one. Unhealthy perfectionism debilitates us. Anybody argue with that? Extreme perfectionism decreases our productivity and it defeats our ability to take initiative. Have you ever had a project that you'd like to start? Have you ever thought about all the things that you could do? All the things you'd like to do? Writing, painting, home repair, exercise, diet, hobbies, a million things. Learning to play the guitar when you're 35 years old. But for some reason, you just can't seem to get around to it. Now you can say, well, I don't have time. It's too expensive. I don't really need to lose 30 pounds. You think about it, you think it's a good thing to do, it's a good project, it's something that I'd enjoy, but you simply can't get started. I would suggest that perhaps you're a perfectionist. You're waiting for the perfect time. And, and by the way, what would happen if I started something and I didn't finish it, or I didn't do it well, or I failed? What could be worse in our world than failing at something? So we wait, and we wait. We wait for the perfect time, for the perfect environment, for the kids to get out of school. We wait until we're in a better financial position, and we wait. There is never a perfect time for anything. There just isn't. Perfectionism causes us to procrastinate. I believe this with all my heart. We can, we can offer up a million excuses, but the bottom line is that many of us are afraid to do anything because we might not do it perfectly. Our standards are so high, our expectations are so extreme, our fear of failure is so strong that we're paralyzed and that we won't do anything. We're debilitated. It's the truth. The Bible offers this wisdom. It's from a paraphrase. If you wait for perfect circumstances, you'll never get anything done. It's true. We're thinking about having children... Well, we're not really, but Darlene and I are. <laughs> we're thinking about having children, but, you know, I need to wait until I'm at this point in my job, and we need to wait until we have this house. Or we, you, know, you know, you've all done, well, not all of you, but some of you have done that. There is no perfect time for anything. There is no perfect time. Here's another peril of unhealthy perfectionism. It damages our relationships. How many of you enjoy being around people who always correct you? What? Okay. Yeah. Lori likes being around those kind of people. People who nag you. People who try and control you. People who tell you what you do wrong and how you should do things differently. It is frustrating. It is irritating. It is annoying. Ask my family. <laughs> the writer of Proverbs reminds us how perfectionism, and in this case, 
our bent toward nagging and correcting and controlling damages relationships, even our closest relationships. Love forgets mistakes, he writes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Amen. Love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. I am sure that one month into our marriage, Darlene wondered what in the world she signed up for. My perfectionistic stuff, well, it was there before we got married. But, you know, when you're in love, you don't see those things, right? Saw them clearly a month into it. The truth is, we are all perfectionists to some degree because, you ready for this? We are all insecure people, every one of us. When we don't feel good about who we are, we certainly don't want other people to feel good about who they are. We want everyone to be as miserable, and we don't say it this way, but we want everybody to be as miserable as we are. We perfectionists are harsh and demanding because we hold ourselves to such high standards, extreme standards, perfect standards. And we think that everybody around us should rise to that level as well. And when they don't, we nag, we pick, we push, we demand, and we get angry. These are not attractive qualities, by the way. Hi, my name's Kurt, and I'm a perfectionist. Do you want to go out? You know, I mean, can you imagine introducing yourself to somebody that way? Extreme perfectionism damages our relationships. In fact, I would argue that a lot of marriage problems have at their root this issue. I cannot meet his standards. I never will be able to. So you know what? I want out. Last thing, it robs us of happiness. This book that I told you about, Perfecting Ourselves to Death, he goes into detail. But these are some of the things that he lists as perils of perfectionism. Among other things, worry, anxiety, depression, impaired health, eating disorders, and even suicidal tendencies. Perfectionism can ruin us, and it can ruin those around us. The writer of Ecclesiastes warns us not to be excessively righteous or overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? He asks. This passage isn't about genuine righteousness. It's not about real wisdom. I think he's alluding to perfectionism. You see, we even bring this into to religious conversation. We perfectionists are adept at turning virtues into vices. Perfectionists are skilled at ignoring balance and living on the extremes of life. And this kind of living makes us miserable. Sad truth is unhealthy perfectionism in any form debilitates us, it damages our relationships, and it robs us of joy and happiness. But don't despair. Don't despair. There is good news. There's always good news, right? And here it is. There is an antidote to extreme perfectionism. There is hope for you and me. It's not a regional seminar on overcoming perfectionism. It's not a tape series from Focus on the Family, okay? although they probably have one. It's not a new book. It's not even a really good therapist. It's God's grace. That's all. It's God's grace. There's only one way to correct our tendency toward being extremely perfectionistic. By learning to live in the grace of God. By experiencing His grace in every area of our life. 
Okay, here's where the tension comes in, though, right? You know this. I mean, maybe you haven't heard it put that way. But then you go, well, how? You know, this is all interesting stuff, but how do we do it? This is where it begins. Okay, recognize two facts. That's all I want you to do today. Just look, say, I recognize these facts. And I will begin to process these facts. Two absolute truths about life. These are not rocket science. None of us are perfect, and none of us ever will be perfect. So say in your head, I am not perfect, and I will never be perfect, and it's okay. We've got to start somewhere. If we're spending all of our time trying to get it right, trying to get perfect, you're wasting your time. The last time I checked, 90% on most grading scales was still an A. Even 89% in my classes. 90%. You don't have to score 100% on everything that you do in life. You do the best you can do as a parent, as a spouse, as a friend, as a sibling, as a child. You can't be perfect in everything that you do all the time. So let it go. Please let it go. Mark Novak, who's going to be here next week, my superintendent, and his sidekick, Don Robinson, who some of you know. Don is great at reminding me that I'm not God, which, you know, I always appreciate the timeliness of his comments. Pouring out my heart, you know, this church, they're frustrating me. I never say that. When I'm talking about stuff, right? And, he, and, and he, he's very pastoral, and he listens. He goes, said this to Darlene and I one time, you know, it must be a terrible burden to be God. And at that point, I, I held Darlene in her seat. <laughs> but, you know, you can talk about that in terms of ministry, but, but there's truth in that. Because we, we're burdened. We're burdened because it's all up to us. And then when someone says, you know what, it isn't up to you, by the way, you aren't God. And, P.S., God can do a whole lot better job in most areas of life than you can. I've already told you this, but I'm imperfect. And there's a lot of things in my life that aren't okay. I'm in process. But because of God's grace, it's okay that I'm not always okay. And in your lives, the same thing is true. It's okay that you're not always perfect. God understands that better than you do. It doesn't mean that when we sin, we don't ask God for forgiveness. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to change or to grow up, to mature. He does. In fact, in the Bible, it says that God wants us to grow up in all ways, in all things, into Christ. When God says that we're okay, he's really saying that he loves us and he accepts us just as we are and not as we should be. He's saying that he loves us even in our imperfections. Can you get that at all from here to here? You are loved beyond your wildest imagination, even in your imperfection by God. And then we recognize this fact, and I've already alluded to it. God is in control, and we are not, and he always will be in control. At the root of so much of our perfectionism is our desire to control things, right? To control our environment, to control other people. And I think that we truly believe this, right? If we could just control everything and everyone around us, if people would just see it my way and do things my way, the world would be a better place to live. If my 
kids would just do what I want them to do, they'd never get into trouble and they'd always be safe. If my spouse would just do what I want her to do, we would have an incredible marriage. If I could control my career, my path would be assured. And we spend so much time and so much energy trying to do it. And we're reminded we're not God. So what do we do when we can't control, we can't manipulate, we can't take care of everything, when the situations and the circumstances in our lives are out of control? And some of you sit here this morning and your lives are out of control. And I don't mean that necessarily in the sense that, you know, you've just chosen to to go wacky or something. I mean, there's circumstances beyond your control that you can't do anything about. This is what Peter says in his letter. Cast all of your anxiety, all of your care on him, on Jesus Christ, because he cares for you. The essence of casting, those of you that fish, is letting go. Repeatedly. You cast your line out and you reel it back in and you cast it out again. Or fly fishermen, that would be an even better illustration. But if we ever hope to rid ourselves of unhealthy perfectionism, we have to let go, we have to relinquish control to God. And that is the hardest thing for any of us to do. Because when it comes right down to it, if it is to be, it's up to me. If anything's going to happen, I need to make it happen. We're all going to fail in life. Many of us have already experienced failure a number of times. We're going to fail at the responsibilities that we've been given. We're going to fail to meet the expectations that people have for us. We're going to fail to live up to our own expectations. It's probably the biggest culprit of all. And of course, we're never going to perfectly follow Christ and serve God because we're all broken. We're all sinners. And we all fall short. But because of God's grace, through Christ, we are okay. And I invite you this morning to accept that grace. To step into it. To begin to live into it. To experience it. To allow it to permeate your life. I'm not perfect. God is perfect. God has everything in control. I invite you to allow God by His grace to set you free and to liberate you. To liberate you from unhealthy perfectionism and all the other stuff, all the other sin, all the other garbage in our life that weighs us down and debilitates us and robs us of joy and ruins our relationships. It doesn't have to be this way. So accept the invitation and step into His liberating grace this morning.